0: Welcome to the backbone. But first, a word from our sponsor, Anchor. Anchor is a one stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. And now Anchor can match you with great sponsors too, so you can get paid for your podcast. Anchor is what I use to bring you the backbone, a journey inside finance at a startup. It connects your podcast seamlessly to iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more, making your podcast available wherever your audience chooses to listen. So if you've always wanted to start a podcast and make money doing it, go to anchor.fm/start to join me and the diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. That's anchor.fm/start. I can't wait to hear your podcast. Welcome to The Backbone, a journey inside finance at a startup. I'm your host, Shabam Dada, at Shabam on Twitter. On The Backbone, we're obsessed with finance and operations at startups. We take a close look at finance functions within various startup companies by talking to finance leaders that are in there day in and day out. We chat startup finance, metrics, operations, and everything in between. Joining me on this episode of The Backbone is Samiksha Kanna. VP Finance and Operations at Uberflip, a content platform that allows you to build out personalized experiences for all your marketing campaigns. Samiksha oversees the finance, operations, IT, channel, and people and culture functions at Uberflip. She began her career in Vancouver 20 years ago in the technology industry and has gone on to work in the UK, Melbourne, Auckland, and now Toronto. Samiksha specializes in creating and driving the day-to-day implementation of a company's strategic plan, including defining and measuring key objectives, implementing procedures and processes, and diving deep into the data to uncover meaningful insights. Samiksha obtained her CPA CMA designation while working in Vancouver. And so without further ado, let's hear from Samiksha herself, VP of Finance and Operations at Uberflip. Hey good morning, Samiksha. Thanks for coming on the backbone this morning, and we've got a lot to cover, so I, I want to get started right away. You've been in the tech space now for over fifteen years, going back to your days at intrinsic software. From there, you've been at large organizations like SAP and TELUS to fast growing tech startups like Points, Vend, and now Uberflip. You've also been a bit of a globetrotter. You've spent time in Vancouver, the UK, Melbourne, Auckland, and now in Toronto. Talk to me about your journey into tech and how it all started for you.
1: Hey, good morning. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. And yeah, kind of going back to a bit about my journey, it actually all started with McDonald Detweiler. A friend of mine from college gave me a referral-in and after a few years I was recruited to Intrinsic. Um, To be honest, most of the roles I took in Vancouver were phone referrals. Uh, There's a lot to be said about working at a company where you already know the people and can get an honest assessment of the environment. The one thing I always loved about working in tech is the potential. The potential to expand responsibilities within the company or the potential to work internationally. I've always said yes to taking on new projects and really took the time to understand how the business runs. I ask a lot of questions to understand the goals. Goals that marketing, sales, engineering, etc., needed to achieve to make the company successful, and it was because of my ability to understand both finance and what was important to the departments to run their business that I was asked to travel to different regions and help with the fiscal and strategic planning.
0: And we're going to dive a bit more into the kind of operating and, and finance aspects, uh, f- for sure. Talk to me about that kind of journey that you, you went on to, to different places uh, around the world. Did you notice different things that, that impacted how you, well, how that, what shaped you as a, as a finance leader today?
1: Oddly enough, I was expecting when I first started traveling internationally that things would be very different and that I wouldn't understand the cultural differences between North America and, let's just say, working in Singapore. Singapore or Melbourne. Maybe the obvious answer is things are pretty much the same. So businesses really want to become successful. They want to have a, uh, employees that are happy. They want to have customers that stay with them. So really just focusing on, it was more the culture within the companies that was more different, but the end goal always seemed the same. And it was really just, again, just asking a lot of questions and being adaptable to change. Like That, to me, is the biggest asset you could have. Knowing that what you did month, month one is going to be somewhat different for month two and you may pivot in month three and it's just having that ability to, to not get hung up on this is how we always do it and looking at more like how can we do it better.
0: So uh, just want to unpack that last bit that you said not keeping set on our ways of, of what to do and what we've done in the past and you know large organizations tend to be fault of that. Um, they've been around for a very long time and and uh, they tend to be stuck in their, in their ways of doing things. So you have a very unique perspective on that, I would imagine, given that you've worked at big companies like SAP and Telus, and startups as well, like Vend and now Uberflip. So how would you compare and contrast those different, I guess, um, cultures and environments?
1: I absolutely love, like, love working at small, medium-sized tech companies. If your motto is to get shit done, uh, then work at some small, then work at a small startup. In a small startup, you have access to like the senior leadership team. You're exposed to more interdepartmental work, and you. And f- I find personally it's less political, for the most part. People care less about the title, more about making a difference. And I also find in smaller companies, there's less silos. At larger companies, you work and stay within your department. So everybody, you maybe have a department, a finance team of like 30 people, and you mingle with those 30 people most of the time. Whereas in a smaller company, chances are you're working closely with other departments and you're exposed to their goals and how they operate. And many people in smaller companies are wearing like, we've all heard of like the many hats theory. So people in small companies are doing a bit of finance, sales, marketing. So you get it subject to different goals. And that to me is what I enjoy the most about the smaller companies is, is that ability to change? Is that ability to come in on, uh, you know, every day and there'll be some different priorities that you're focusing on versus in larger companies, you really have your role and. You know to kind of you, your future set out for you you kind of just know this is what you're going to be doing on a day, day-to-day basis
0: it makes a lot of sense and definitely have heard that in the past mm-hmm. uh, i want to move to your current role now uh, at uberflip so first of all i'm familiar with uberflip and what the company does but for the benefit of the listeners tell me about uberflip and and what it's all about
1: no problem i'll be happy to uberflip is the world's number one content experience platform We empower B2B marketing and sales teams to create personalized and content experience to engage accounts, nurture prospects, and convert leads, all without the help of IT. It's our mission to put control back into the hands of marketing teams and deliver high converting experiences that put the customer front and center. And
0: then another organization that you're also heavily involved with is The Big Push. So talk to me a bit about that and what it's all about.
1: Okay, so I could talk to you a bit about the Big Push. Um, I'm extremely lucky to be part of this. Uh, what the Big Push is, it's a women-led led collective, and we support women founders through a service for equity model. Essentially, what we do is we provide equity for service programs. We help identify the business challenges, and then we roll up our sleeves and help execute on those goals. So it's not a, let's meet for coffee and I'll give you some advice. It's more, let's work together on your business plan And let's help get the CEO to a series, to series A ready.
0: Got it. So you're working with kind of um, female entrepreneurs, helping them get from seed to Series A, or do you start working pre-seed as well?
1: We will work with them on pre-seed in some instances too. It really comes down to if their product is at a marketable or almost marketable uh, state. So as long as they have a product that's in market that and they're generating some revenue, then we will work with them on getting them close to the usually with close to the seed already the seed level but it's really working with them on once they get that c level to the series a piece
0: well that's really awesome and have you been doing that uh, prior to uberflip or uh, this was something that you noticed after you um, started at uberflip how long have you been uh, working on the the big push uh, initiative
1: It's something that I started prior to Uberflip. It was shortly prior before starting at Uberflip. And when I took the role at Uberflip, I was like, I kind of, mentioned to them that I'm part of this Women's Collective and the great thing about them is that they were very supportive and every once in a while made need to take some time off to go and work for some of the women-led companies and they've been very supportive at the time and in a few instances they've actually hosted a couple of the big push events at our office.
0: Yeah, I, I definitely remember one of those, uh, I was lucky enough uh, to be on, on one of the panels there and uh, first of all, the Uberflip Uber office is is really awesome so everyone should check it out if they get a chance. But uh, yeah, no, that, that's really awesome. So Uberflip recently raised $32 million US in growth financing led by Updata Partners. What are some of the lessons that you learned from this fundraise process or words of wisdom that you would share with fellow finance leaders? Who who are or might be going through a similar process?
1: Some of the lessons we learned, the biggest one is it takes a lot more time and effort than you think. Uh, It's not just financial data and metrics that you'll be asked for. It's also marketing, product, people and culture. Consider it like a home inspection where they're looking into every room and under the carpets and be prepared (laughs) to answer the same question and many different narratives. And oh my god, there are so many lawyers and legal documents you'll be reviewing over and over again. For me, really just about staying organized and documenting who does what and what you need to kind of supply internally and externally furthermore some of the words of wisdom I have is it's never too early to get to keep a clean set of records you know I would recommend starting in the very early days with a good bookkeeper or some full-time accountant to get your financials in order and your key business indicators defined and measured I would also recommend telling everyone in the company what you're looking that you're looking for funding I work for or a company before where only a few people had privileged this information. And it makes it much more difficult to ask other departments for data because you're kind of dancing around the reason why you need it and you're trying to ask in a roundabout way. Whereas Uberflip, although we didn't provide a step-by-step update, we did tell people right at the very beginning that what we were doing and what we were looking for. And it made such a difference because everyone at Uberflip was super helpful when it came to providing Extra details that I needed during the due diligence questions. They weren't asking why I needed this. They understood the purpose for it and they went out of the way to help me.
0: Yeah, oftentimes, you know, fundraising is a, a team sport. And if not everyone on, on the team is aware, then, you know, like you said, they're always questioning, well, why do you need that? You've never asked for that before.
1: Exactly. It's a very different detail, too. It's very specific information, too.
0: Yeah, it's like, why do you need this particular contract? I can give you all these other ones, but <laughs> you yeah. uh, yeah, Yeah, no, that that makes a lot of difference for sure. And and then so doing all of that, uh, obviously, you've got a day job, which is uh, being the VP finance and operations at Uberflip. So with all these kind of ad hoc tasks that come about the fundraising process, how do you balance your day to day with this fundraising project?
1: Well, my question is quite funny because my honest answer is uh, I did the fundraising during the day and I did my day job in the evening. It was a very busy time and sometimes it was hectic, a bit of a hectic process. But in my mind, I saw it as a means to an end. Working late and on the weekends is not something you want to do every week. But doing it for a few months and being able to close a successful race with great partners, then you know the effort pays off in the end and you're willing to push through it.
0: Yeah, for sure. And, and, you know, now obviously we can, uh, laugh about that, uh, <laughs> after the fact, you know, having, having raised the, 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 the funding and, and, uh, having partners like, like Updata, uh, by your side. And so if I look back, uh, on your career so far, many of the roles that you've been in have been operations exclusively. You're a CPA by training. And then oftentimes finance and operations tend to go hand in hand. And so why do you think that is? Why are a lot of, you know, finance leaders also very much involved with the operations?
1: That's a good observation. So my the easy answer for me is everything is centered around people and money, um, business costs, revenue, employees, hiring, salary costs, et cetera. And I think finance folks get involved in operations because they're natural problem solvers. And it's part of their nature to look at doing things more efficiently. We also provide a sober look at the business. We have no emotional ties to certain sales and marketing strategies. We just look at the performance and measure it against the original plan. We can also provide financial insights into what assumptions were made and the results of those assumptions. What I like the most about the operational part is your direct impact on the business and how we can really work with the department leaders to help them run their business.
0: Would you say that you know having an accounting designation made you a better operator? And then on the flip side, how does being an operator make you a better finance leader like i'm trying to understand how one may have impacted the other because you know to to be i guess a director of operations or vp of operations you don't necessarily need a accounting designation so i'm just wondering if it's helpful to have that
1: for me, it was helpful, because it helped me and I used to kind of laugh and say this translate between departments, because I can go and talk to finance about what was important to them in terms of how they viewed the business and then be able to translate that to the business back to the business and say, Okay, these are the metrics this is how we're measuring it. So be able to be like, sometimes I was a diplomat between the finance department and the <laughs> business departments, because, you know, I, and I, I understood both the goals. So very early on in my career, I when I was McDonald at Wallow. I was in a meeting with one of the VPs of engineering. He was the head of a business department. And he showed us a really great example of how finance and businesses, they operate a different set of rules. Like he showed an example of a straight line and basically saying, this is how finance operates. Like this rules are set out and everything kind of falls into a category or a bucket. Whereas the business follows its own set of rules and it pretty much just is flexible. And this is line that curves a lot and really kind of what, what the point is of the operational role is to see where those lines intersect and help work with each department to kind of help achieve their business goals.
0: Yeah, no, that, that, that's very helpful. So, um, let me, let me unpack that. So now, you know, at UberFlip, you are officially VP finance and operations. You know, prior you, you may have had finance roles or you may have had operations roles. Now it's combined together. Mm-hmm. And so how is that? transition bin uh, where whereas before like you said you were being uh, the liaison between the operations group and the finance group but now it's just you. So uh, you you are also the finance group. Uh, how, how has that been for you?
1: Well, to be honest, it's not just me. I have a really great finance team that I work with. And what I like about being in this world right now is it's the best of both worlds. I get to dip my toe into the finance world. And I get to rely very, very heavily on Udi, who is our director of finance to help on the accounting side and on and on help supporting the business. And I also get to work very closely with the heads of sales, customer success, engineering, people in culture and marketing and work with them on. So we know what the budget areas are. We know what the business plans are, but then they could translate that into what kind of metrics are you going to be measuring on? Like what are your, what are, what are your goals for, let's say a Q1 and how can the finance department help support you to hit those goals? Like what data do you need from us? What support do you need from us? And again, it goes back to providing that sober look, that look of these are just the numbers. These are the assumptions we made at the beginning. How are we tracking towards that? And at what point do we know that either we're going to miss the target and we need to pivot or we're on track? Back and just keep doing what we're doing.
0: So you're really able to see the, the full picture and, and uh, being kind of an all encompassing, see all the operations and bridge that with the, the metrics that are important uh, on the finance side. So that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. One last question before we hop into our quick fire round, and that is, in your opinion, what is the importance of the finance function at a technology company?
1: Well, I'll, I won't go, go into the most obvious reasons why technology companies need finance, but it goes back to what I was saying earlier about just really being able to help the business succeed. You know, what I've noticed is a lot of high tech companies, especially the ones I've worked at those usually smaller and you do have the department heads and people working in those departments managing five or six different things. And most of the time they're just executing. They're just trying to get make the customer happy. They're trying to deliver experience that makes the customer, um happy and what we don't have a lot of time for is to look back and go, well, how do we actually do? Like, how do we achieve our goals? And are we on the right track? And so that's where finance really comes in to be able to show them this is we're on the right track. Or, you know, even though we are thinking we're delivering a happy customer, we actually have these churn rates, or even though we think we're actually going after the right market fit, we've been selling to a different customer profile. Or maybe we're actually, or maybe in, in, in instances we are hitting exactly what we need to be doing. and we continue doing it so we continue funding that effort and we continue to see it through because it's success for us so that to me is where the finance role really takes the most important piece is being able to support the business and what they need to be to be successful
0: right yeah one thing that really resonated with me that something that you said earlier is that finance is really a, a second sober thought or mm-hmm. something that you know uh, people in finance don't tend to have be emotionally tied to particular sales and marketing campaigns and things like that so uh, people in finance can be very objective in in evaluating how the campaigns are doing and then uh, translate that back to the various uh, departments of the business uh, to make sure that everyone is on board in, in achieving uh, the company's goals and objectives. Now what I'd like to do is uh, jump into our quick fire round. Okay. And so the way this works is I'll ask you a couple of questions and you'll have 10 to 15 seconds to respond to each. How does that sound?
1: That Sounds great.
0: Alright, let's do it. So what is your go-to online resource for all things startup finance related?
1: So I use anything from LinkedIn. I also am a big fan of David Skork I think I'm saying his last name right uh, for entrepreneurs. Yeah, yeah. Yep, and Thomas yeah. Nung. So those are kind of like the kind of the gurus when it comes to all things startup finance related.
0: Yeah, definitely. I've heard a, a bunch of guests mention those two guys specifically. So yeah, <laughs> for sure. And what's your favorite uh, productivity hack?
1: So I schedule everything. I schedule everything in my calendar. I look at whether it's an appointment with the Dentist, whether it's an evening out with my husband, I or, or like lunches, I schedule everything and that helps me become more pro- productive. And I also um, subscribe to the No More Zero Days motto,
0: motto. Talk to me about that. What is what is that? The No More Zero Days it's, it's motto. The,
1: it's uh, called the No Zero Days motto. Sorry. And it's an article that was written on Reddit that I read about two years ago. And it was really just about somebody coming, b- writing in saying, I can't get, I have all these things I want to accomplish and I can't accomplish anything. So I'm working to Hard or I don't have enough time in the day and the model behind it or the philosophy behind it is just do one thing so if you want to read a book just do something every day even if it's a small amount so if you want to get through a book and you don't have time to say dedicate to a dedicate a whole chapter to in one day This whole philosophy is like just read two sentences. You know, if you can't work out, just do one push up. If you have a have, you know, if you can't make a phone call to somebody and catch up with them, you know, be able to send them a quick email. So it's really just about you don't need to bite off the biggest, you don't need to take off a big bite. Just Mm. every single day do a small bite, and you eventually get there.
0: Wow, that's profound. Yeah, like at least you've (laughs) you know done something um, uh, regarding that task or whatever you set it out. Uh, no, that, that makes a lot of sense. And, and I've definitely not heard that before. So that's a new one. Yeah, you should look it um, up. What's, yeah, yeah, I will. I will. Uh, what's one thing you don't leave the office before finishing?
1: So going back to my calendar and how I schedule everything, I look at my calendar right. every single day. So I look at it at the end of the day. I look at it for the next day and I look at it for the next week. And I want to just make sure the worst case for me is to come into work and have meetings that I didn't know about and not be prepared for so I always check my calendar mm. at the end of the day I check it again first thing in the morning and I, I again I check it for the following week too
0: so I guess your calendar is the most mm-hmm. used uh, app on your phone and, Absolutely. and your computer <laughs> <laughs> um, and what's one uh, tech jargon that makes you cringe
1: Oh, I think sometimes all of it does to be honest <laughs> it's, it's <so> many <laughs> more, like, like serial entrepreneur and I'm hearing the word AI on everything it's you know I'm okay with them once in a while but when you hear them all the time they all kind of get under my skin but I think things like Mm -hmm. attaching AI to to so many things that are not really AI is probably my latest pet peeve Hmm.
0: Gotcha. Yeah, for sure. And and then you start seeing a mishmash of like, oh yeah, we're the latest AI that uh, is disrupting blockchain. Exactly. And is, uh, <laughs> AI I for know, your AI. I know.
1: AI for yeah. your AI. I like that. But then it starts to dilute what the meaning of it really is. And then people, people, even worse is that people have a misunderstanding of what it really is because they think it's one thing because it's been attached to so many things.
0: And what's the best advice that you received so far in your career?
1: I've received lots of pieces of advice. The latest one that I've kind. Kind of been thinking about lately is don't let perfect be the enemy of good, and it was really resonant in when it comes to companies that are scaling. It's we want things to be done well. We want, and if you're type A person like me, you want to be able to do things like well or perfect the first you know at the get-go but when you're working in a company that's scaling and growing you just have to get comfortable with we know it's not perfect but it's better than what we have so let's go with it and when we have the time to perfect it or we find it we'll do it at that time and it's really just being okay with something that you know it's not as good as it could be but due to time resources or just the lack of understanding of what this will be you just go with good enough
0: Hmm. Yeah, and and I guess that really resonates well with, um, you know, software in general, like the very first version of software is never perfect. There's always bugs there and you're always iterating on it. So I guess this lends itself well uh, as being uh, part of the, the process within a software company. Exactly. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for your time this morning, Samiksha. It's been really great uh, chatting with you about Uber flip, about the big push, um, Uber flips, recent, uh, fundraising around and how you've been able to balance the, you know, day to day of, of being VP finance and ops, along with the tasks that came about for the fundraising, as well as why it's so, uh, common to have finance and operations get tied in, uh, together, uh, Uh, It's really been a fascinating chat and I enjoyed it a lot. Thanks again.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: All right. Take care. Bye now.